Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! Hi Barbie. Hi Barbie. Hi Barbie. Hi Barbie. For the past couple of weeks, like much of the internet, I have been obsessed with the trailer for the new Barbie movie. Which is kind of weird if you think about it, because I am a childless adult. I had the same thought because as soon as I saw the longer trailer that came out, I was like, oh wait, this movie is for me. This is the Post business reporter Rachel Lerman. She has been reporting on the forthcoming Barbie movie and the business decisions behind it. And I do think that on its face, it seems kind of counterintuitive, right? Because Mattel is selling Barbies for, you know, young kids. And this movie doesn't necessarily seem geared toward young kids. I'll beach off with you any day, Ken. Anyone who wants to beach him off has to beach me off first. I will beach both of you off at the same time. Beach both of us off? Nobody's going to beach anyone off. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Maggie Penman. I'm your guest host. It's Monday, April 24th. Today, we're talking about the business of Barbie and why Mattel decided to give her a big marquee live-action movie for grown-ups. I started looking into Mattel's thinking here because this doesn't quite feel like other toy movies we've seen recently. It's written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, who are known for, like, offbeat, sensitive indie movies about things like divorce and family and growing up. So this choice feels a little subversive, and it's very intentional. I think the brilliance of this from Mattel's standpoint is that they are really going after a center of the market who has grown up with Barbie, who played with Barbie. So I called up a couple of toy industry analysts to ask them, what is Mattel doing? What's the strategy? My name is Chris Byrne. I'm an independent consultant and analyst, AKA the toy guy. Chris Byrne basically said, this is a brand decision. It really makes Barbie and the whimsy about Barbie really relevant to today. And I was actually at an Easter dinner with a bunch of 20-somethings, and spontaneously, they just started talking about it and how they're looking forward to this because the trailer has created all of this buzz within that cohort, and it's something they're talking about. Who doesn't want that? I think one of the things that Mattel has done really well is keep Barbie as this, like, enduring product. Barbie is 64 years old, and it's consistently, you know, at or near the top of the doll charts, and it's it's just stayed really relevant in the cultural conversation. Which is so interesting, right? Because, like, 10 or 15 years ago, I remember a lot of what people were talking about with Barbie was the fact that her feet are constantly in this— tiptoe position so she can slide into high heels and her body measurements are literally impossible. So I would not have predicted that she would still be so much a part of our cultural conversation. Absolutely. And Mattel has tried to address these criticisms over the years. Like there are now Barbies of different shapes and sizes, different races. There are Barbies with different hairstyles and clothes and so many careers. And if you think about how long this brand has been around— Barbie has reinvented herself again and again. Chris and I talked a little bit about this. Well, I I think when you look at Barbie in 1959, she didn't have a lot of options. She was a teenage fashion model. She could wear a a black and white swimsuit or she could become a bride. Barbie, beautiful Barbie. 
I'll make believe that I am you. You can tell it's Mattel. It's swell. Fast forward, she almost disappeared in the late 60s as we saw the rise of the women's movement and the ERA. But then Barbie was repositioned as a girl power symbol. She was given all these different careers. You could buy astronaut Barbie, veterinarian Barbie, president Barbie. The message is girls can do anything. Can do anything, right, Barbie? Astronaut Barbie. We can be the first in outer space. Fantastic fun in a far out place. And that fast forwarded Barbie into where she is today. Today she's had more than 150 careers. She represents different races, different body types, different ethnicities, different opportunities for women and girls and the culture at large. So I think that the way it's kept growing has been by being relevant and reflective of the culture at the time when she's showing up. So my favorite thing about all of these Barbie ads is that they all take a turn. Like even the astronaut Barbie has an outfit change in case she wants to go dancing with Ken after getting back from the moon, I guess. I Like it, it is funny. It's, it's girl power, but in a very specific way. And it's specific to the time period too, right? Like this is kind of a 1980s brand of feminism that was like girls can do anything, boys can do, and they can do it in heels. So how do we see Barbie bringing us into 2023 in this movie? What is different about the Barbie that we're seeing here in this trailer? So part of it isn't what is different, but how it's sort of satirized. So if you think about playing with Barbies as a kid, you might remember some of the weird things about those dolls. Like like we talked about Barbie's feet are permanently on tiptoe so she can slide into high heels. And you see that right away in the trailer. Margot Robbie, who plays Barbie in the movie, steps out of her shoes and her feet are like stuck in that high heel Yeah, shape. it's such a great moment of the trailer. And that, I feel like that is like the opening shot and it's like this big old wink of like, this is going to be funny. Right. It's going to be funny and it's making fun of itself. Like, it's so self-aware. There's this one scene in the trailer where Margot Robbie is Barbie and Ryan Gosling is Ken are talking. And he says, you know, I thought I might stay over tonight. I thought I might stay over tonight. Why? Because we're girlfriend, boyfriend. To do what? I'm actually not sure. You can tell from the trailer that it's targeting adults, right? Like, there are a couple kind of, like, sideways jokes about sex, and Barbie is clearly an adult and sort of staking out on her own. And it's just—it seems clear to me that that at least the primary audience for this is not kids. But how does this translate to revenue for a company like Mattel? Right. So one way we think this will work is through licensing. So maybe— Mattel isn't exactly trying to sell toys from this, although we think they will. But what will millennials and Zoomers buy? Like, maybe they'll buy tote bags. Like, maybe they'll buy wallpaper. Maybe they'll buy backpacks with the Barbie logo and branding on it. The analysts that I spoke to both brought this up. Here's Arpina Kocharian. She's a toy industry analyst for UBS, and she's expecting to see a lot of branded consumer products from this think much more broadly, right, in terms of what this could mean. Backpacks, T-shirts, toothpaste, anything you can think of that can carry a Barbie branding on it. And Arpina actually said that this move also reflects a larger shift within Mattel. When you look at the strategy of Mattel and how it has changed as a company over the past 10 years, 
before it was about making things. Now, uh, if you sort of have a conversation with the management team, it, it's all about why you're making what you're making. And that same strategy applies to the most important brand they have, Barbie. It is absolutely about keeping Barbie relevant. And it's not an easy task because when you take a step back and look at the toy sector, every year you can have a brand or a toy that does really well at retail. All of a sudden, it's the toy that everybody wants under a tree come Christmas. But it's very difficult to create brands that withstand the test of time. After the break, we'll get into what Mattel is saying about giving its most important brand a major motion picture. We'll be right back. So Rachel, how does this deal actually work for Mattel? So Mattel has a division within its company called Mattel Films, which it was created to kind of like encourage the development and production of movies based on the brands that Mattel owns. So Mattel partnered with, in this case, Warner Brothers to get this movie made. Executives have emphasized on recent investor calls that they're taking a capital light approach to this. So we're not investing in the production you know, of these movies. What we bring is our IP. And what that does is enables us to work with multiple studios. We, you know, in addition to the Barbie movie, we have 14 films, you know, in development. So we're able to spread that around, work with, with uh, again, different studios uh, in a capital light approach. And, you know, we benefit, um, uh, you know, from, you know, and I'll give you an example of the Barbie movie, you know, producer fees, participations in box office, participations in profit levels. But again, it's a capital light approach. We're not putting capital at risk uh, to do this. And, you know, we think it, you know, gives us, you know, a nice <clears throat> diversification and nice uh, upside potential in t- terms of profitability. So basically, they're reassuring investors. They're saying, don't worry, we didn't put a ton of money into this. They partnered with the studios. It's obviously their brand, but they didn't invest like heaps of money into the production of this film, which means they have less on the line. So, Rachel, did you actually get a chance to talk to anybody at Mattel for this story? So, Mattel reports its financial earnings this week, so unfortunately we weren't able to talk to them for this story. But they did send over a statement basically saying that, yeah, this movie is intended for, like, young adults and adults— But they expect that the world of the movie, so like the consumer products and the experiences, will appeal to kids as well. I do wonder, though, is there any risk for Mattel in doing this kind of satirical movie about Barbie, one of their most important brands? Yeah, I think the risk and reward here could be huge. Arpina pointed out to me that this movie has been in the making for more than a decade. They've probably looked at dozens of proposals, right, if not more. The brand has never had a a box office event of this scale before, and Mattel Management fully acknowledges the risks and opportunities that come with such an undertaking. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the risks could be reputational. Like, obviously, this doll is mostly for young kids, and this movie seems more adult. Like you said, it might be kind of satirical, might be kind of subversive. Mattel still has to appeal to its core audience, appeal to their parents. So depending on how the movie is received, that could definitely present some risks. 
It's also something that they're clearly putting a big focus on. They've said there are 14 other films that they have somewhere in development or production for different brands, like across the company. So in some ways, this could be seen as kind of a test balloon. They're clearly eager to see how this one goes. So if Barbie is a reflection of our culture and this Barbie movie is sort of a reflection of 2023, what does this movie, or at least the trailer— tell us about ourselves right now. I think it speaks to the nostalgia of this time, right? Especially for Gen Zs and millennials. Like there's this irony and humor of this moment, but it's also been a dark time in many ways, right? Like we're coming out of a pandemic. There's lots to worry about in the world right now. And this movie, it feels like it's trying to offer us some fun, like some lightness, some brightness. And we do expect, you know, there's probably going to be heavier moments to the movie, but in many ways, it does look fun. This is what Chris Byrne told me about this. I think we need to escape for a couple of hours into a world of Barbie land where it's sort of fun and entertaining. It's not going to solve the world's problems, but it does give us sort of hope and a sense of entertainment and really that sense of connection. That's really the thing. We are connected to all the other Barbie fans around the world who think that that foot thing is hilarious. I don't know. Maybe Barbie could solve the world's problems. I mean, she has had 150 different careers. Okay, well, um, Rachel, maybe we can go see this movie together in July. Oh, yeah. And I think that, you know, in order to get in the spirit, we might have to get some pink clothes and dress up. Rachel Lerman is a business reporter for The Post. If you are interested in reading her story about the business decisions behind the Barbie movie, it's really good. We'll include a link in our show notes. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me and edited by Ariel Plotnick. It was mixed by Sam Baer. I'm Maggie Penman. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. 